listeners. I'm Irene Barton, Executive Director of the Cobb Collaborative, and I welcome you to Mind Your Mind Speaks. This is a podcast series that brings together subject matter experts and community leaders to help raise awareness, share resources, and inspire action through recorded conversations about mental health and well-being topics. Today, we are delighted to welcome Lisa King to our program. Lisa, please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Um, My name is Lisa King. I am an Atlanta native, so I'm from not very far down the road in Sandy Springs. Okay. Wow. Um, That's a a rare breed, actually. I know. (laughs) I know it. So I spent much time in Cobb County growing up and have lived here for 12 years, Um, have worked for the Cobb County School System for the past 25 years. Um, as a school counselor and an elementary school, Blackwell Elementary. So um, yeah, I'm glad to be here. I am uh, lucky enough to have been at the same school for a long time and kind of spread my wings and um, branched out to some other uh, consulting and uh, contracting gigs, doing presentations, um, sometimes for local Cobb County schools, but also locally, regionally, nationally. Um, And so I really, I... I love speaking to the grownups um, that take care of our kids because that's yeah. where we really can affect change and kind of having the same language and um, helping our kids through this, you know, strange time of life, but also yeah. through any time of life for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, people look to our school systems to provide so many things and that just puts such an incredible burden on educators and they use that in the broadest term possible not only classroom teachers counselors administrators bus drivers cafeteria workers but eventually children have to go home right to their parents and caregivers so i love that you also focus on that the whole family and you know looking at what the community uh, what type of community the child lives in, what resources are there, and that sort of thing. So thank you for that holistic framework that you, and uh, thank you for your years of service to Cobb County Schools and specifically to the Blackwell family. Yeah, yeah, love it. All right. Well, again, welcome and thank you for joining us. So without a doubt, I'm going to label you an expert in mental health matters, particularly as it relates to youth and adolescents. Lisa, can you tell us what you see as the most common presenting mental health conditions in youth today? And has that changed over the past two years because of the pandemic? I think certainly anxiety comes up um, a lot, but it was Mm -hmm. coming up a lot prior, you know, pre-pandemic as well. Um, But I think the, you know, kids using the term panic attack, even as young as, Mm -hmm. you know, eight eight years old, seven years old is common, um, is more common now. Uh, Kids have heard terms, even, you know, as a school counselor, we get, we push in and we do lessons on mindfulness and coping skills, but um, they're gaining that language, not only from their school counseling lessons, but from their parents, from the world around them, they just soak everything up. And as kids are great observers, um, but they're not such good interpreters. Mm. So when they say a panic attack, when they talk about anxiety, we really have to define what that is. But I also think that um, kids are, um, the self-regulation of kids is also um, closely related to the self-regulation, the mental health issues of the grownups around them. Um, So it's been, you know, 
my daughter gave a great analogy of what this time is like. It's like you, it's like every time we think it's almost over, it's like packing up and moving to a new house, mm. she, you know, cause we, I was talking mm-hmm. about this being a journey. She's like, it's like every time we get, we get to where, you know, there's a place and then we have to pack up and move again. And as we know, moving is one of the more stressful things in life. Yes. And for these littles, you know, I think they're so used to the pivot that we keep using. Yes. You know, as grownups, we're experiencing pivot PTSD almost. Yeah. And the kids are just feeling the reverberations of our anxiety. So I think anxiety would be a big presenting problem okay. that I'm seeing more in kids. Um, and also, I think there's also a widened uh, destigmatization, destigmatization of mental health care, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, more, more parents seeking help for their kids. Um so, you know, that's, that's the win is like, we're all feeling it more, but it's also more openly discussed mm-hmm. um, so that we can seek help for those who need it. Right. And certainly, um, I think some high profile athletes, um, Simone Biles comes to mind, Naomi Osaka, um, the tennis player and some other uh, basketball and football players have helped, um, I think m- more normalize the conversation because, we know I've had um, guests on the podcast before that have spoken um, pretty pointedly about the stigma in the Black community around mental health. And so I think some of that has helped, as you said, Lisa, yeah. um, reduce barriers and um, kind of more normalize the conversation. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, a question I've um, wondered sometimes, you know, our um, I guess really our first graders, they know nothing else but going to school in an environment like this. Do you see anything, since you are um, campus-based, do you see anything in these first graders and maybe even second graders, because really this is the third school year impacted by COVID, um, that gives you pause or concern compared to the older children who had at least a couple of, um, quote, normal end quote years of school. Yeah. Yeah. The second graders have never known a normal year. Um, so, and you know, my sixth grader, third grade was her last normal year. Yeah. Yeah. Quote unquote. Um, so yeah, the, the second graders I see, um, actually most impacted, um, for whatever reason, we do see a lot of escalated behavior and particularly our second graders, but also in all of the school, like, um, the behaviors are just, um, I think that we're seeing accelerate, like kids that were anxious are more anxious. Kids that weren't Mm -hmm. anxious are now anxious and kids that were acting out are acting out at a, at a more frequent and intense manner. Mm -hmm. Um, and some, and the, and the staff is also stressed. So you have all that, but the kinder babies, which I work with um, every other year. So I, I loop with my kids. So this year I have K24 and then I'll loop with them and they'll be one, three, five. Okay. The kinders, I mean, there's just nothing better than kindergarten kids because they're going to tell you like it is. And yes. the, the difference I see with them is they're more, um, there's a varied amount of skills. Some kids are just not kinder ready at all because they didn't go to preschool with their parents mm-hmm. kept them home for the pandemic. Right. So you just see a wide, a widened variety of uh, skills mm-hmm. and school readiness. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, last year, I know as educators, all we wanted is these, these kids back face to face, Yes. you know, and, and, and they are, and we're glad we don't have to do two jobs at once, you know, the online and the face to face at the same time. Right. But I can't say that it's easier. You know, yeah. this is almost a harder year because 
we're tired. It's almost like last year, everybody, kids, parents, educators, it's like you're holding the ball underwater. Just like Mm -hmm. we can do this. We can do this for one year. We can do this for the kids. We can do this for, you know, the our our community. Yeah. Our wider community and world. And then, you know, when it seemed to get better in June, I think everyone just let the ball up and it popped, it's popped us in the face, you know? And so all that anxiety, all the, the lack of behavioral mediation or instructing kids how to behave, you know, we instruct Mm -hmm. them about math, we instruct them about reading and some kids, their instruction for behavior has been screens, you know? So also it's, it's interesting to note because I have a sixth grader, I know the iPad was invented when she was born. That group of kids really right under them, really probably the fourth, fifth graders were raised on iPads. Mm. So not only are these kids, you know, in the pandemic, but they're also raised on screens more than any other generation. So we have to do the instruction of um, really giving them the norms of how Mm -hmm. to line up, how to go through the cafeteria, how to raise their hand. And parents Mm -hmm. are, we're also in an age of um, everybody is outraged about everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so parents are more outraged. Teachers are more outraged. Everybody, you know, it's, it's a highly stressful atmosphere. So I'm glad that mental health care is destigmatized because we all mm-hmm. need it. Right. And exactly. Hopefully going forward, um, the, you know, the teaching of social emotional skills will be continued and maybe the ratio of mental health care um, support in schools will help because will. sometimes we're the only people, we're the only mental health caregiver that kids will sometimes see. Exactly. Yeah. I love the analogy you used about holding the ball underwater. And so when you think about what's required and that, you know, that constant stress or whatever, and then, yeah, I mean, we, we really thought once vaccines were here that um, there was no way in the world that the 2021, 2022 school year was going to be like it had the past two years. Yeah, exactly. Here, here we are. So So we're Um, dealing, we're, everyone's dealing with it, right? Everyone's dealing in different ways. And hopefully we're going to ride another, uh, stage of finding a new, new normal. Yes. um, Right. At the tail end of Omicron, but we're also, I think everyone's ready for the next thing. Yeah. So, so true. Um, so Lisa, we have some, um, traditional definitions of of trauma. We refer to ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, but we know that those only describe a portion of trauma and clearly a global pandemic can be identified um, as trauma. And that's one of the areas that we focus on at the Cobb Collaborative in terms of training. We talk about trauma-informed and trauma-responsive approaches um, to care. And I would love to hear your thoughts, would love to have you elaborate on that trauma-informed framework. Um, it's interesting because Nadine Burke Harris, yes. who um, you know, <laughs> is, is such a amazing speaker and her TED talk is a must-see. Yes. Did you know definitely. that recently she resigned due to as the, um, yes, yeah, as the Surgeon she, General of California. Yes, of California. She said it was time to take care of herself to practice what she preached. Yes. Exactly. And we'll drop in uh, the deepest well um, into the link here and also share that link to her TED talk because yeah. it is powerful stuff. So yeah. powerful. Thank and you. so she kind of, she worked with Kaiser on the ACE study and yes. that was, you know, just looking at adverse childhood experiences that might've affected you and that can lead to further medical issues, not just mm-hmm. substance abuse and mental health issues, but heart and lung disease. Yes. So I always 
you know, preventive care is a must. And looking at those ACE um, scores, you know, if you had a family filled with drug abuse or violence or an incarcerated parent or sexual abuse, that's a, a, a point on the, on the scale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was no pandemic on the scale No, or, or even culture, you know, uh, historic racism. There, mm-hmm. there, there are different um, realms. I just saw an infographic on the different realms of trauma. And so really, you know, whether you've experienced a tornado or a flood, like think about our, you know, people that live through Katrina um, or tornadoes or, you know, also, you know, just different, um, like different levels of racism, Um, even just um, watching the the past two years on TV has been traumatic um, and also eye-opening and hopefully um, raised, you know, a different level of people understanding Mm -hmm. anti-racism. But I don't know if those are, if those count as ACE scores yet on, on the Kaiser studies, um, like worksheet of counting your ACE score. But we do know as professionals that all of those things matter Mm -hmm. to our brain development, um, neuroscience, has shown us not only that those things can be adverse, but also, um, I don't know if you mentioned the positive adver- the positive childhood experiences. And that's really what we focus on as mental health experts, as educators, as parents. And the main one being the positive relationships. Um, when kids have one person that they feel like they can open up to. And it's amazing asking kids in my office, like, do you have someone you can talk to at home? And so many kids do. But some kids don't and they say yeah. their dog or they say me, mm-hmm. um, you know, or they say their friend. Um, and, and a lot of times it's because they're nervous to upset their parent with deep, dark fears of their own. They don't want sure. their parents to worry. Um, but I do think that's where we can really improve is um, opening communication and doing things like this where we can educate our adult community and how to help our youth um, with the positive childhood experiences, um, you know, and teaching kids, really teaching kids about um, their feelings and their cognitions and, um, you know, just so they have the words Mm -hmm. and the emotional vocabulary and also the outlets, the coping outlets that they need to get through, you know, whatever is going on in their life, whether it's, you know, that's the other thing with kids is you can say, what's, what size is this problem? you know, 10 is the house is burning and you broke a leg and one is you can't find your pencil. Kids that have friendship problems, sometimes they say it's a seven, Mm -hmm. like in their little world, that's 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 hardcore. But, you know, as they get older and they can really identify what are, what are really big things, um, as educators and parents and community members, we the trauma informed way is instead of saying what's wrong with you saying what happened to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think just that support and that idea that um, the aftershocks of trauma are not going to define your whole life if you get the care and the um, support that you need as kids or adults. Right. Um, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for leading the conversation into that discussion about PACES, which is positive mm-hmm. and adverse childhood experiences. If we we think about it like um, on a fulcrum or on a, as a seesaw on a fulcrum. Um, yes, sadly, we have children who have experienced ACEs. We, the research tells us that three in five adults in Georgia have experienced at, at least one ACE. And now, um, and that's the traditional 
scoring sheet, right? I think that's going to increase because of the pandemic, because there's been no one who has been untouched by that. But we can counterbalance those adverse childhood experiences with just the things that you talked about, Lisa. Um, one positive, appropriate, trusted relationship um, mm -hmm. with an adult, whether that's a mentor or um, a Sunday school teacher or a community coach or something like that. And then exactly. other things that you mentioned too, um, maybe like hobbies or, or outlets. I know Mental Health of America had a great study that came out, I think about a year ago, and they surveyed youth and um, youth, so a little bit older than elementary school, um, we'll say like um, 12 or so um, to 14, all the way up to young adults, they listed hobbies as the one thing that really helped them with the pandemic. So whether that's um, athletics or um, playing an instrument or something like that. Yeah. I mean, those things really can help, right? Absolutely. We've got a drum set right next door. I'm glad my daughter's not playing it right now. <laughs> She's picked up drums and calligraphy, but also for her okay. as an only child, she really has depended on some of those hobbies um, as her outlet, you know, mm -hmm. for sure. And they can, um, they can be a way to build resiliency, which I think is a particular focus uh, of yours, right, Lisa? Something that you really try to communicate to the children and the youth that you work with? Yeah, and resiliency is one of um, the components. Really, really, my my um, my jam is growth uh -huh. mindset, okay. and resilience. Resiliency is definitely a component, and I think it's also one of those keywords that's kind of stuck with us because, you know, resiliency. I think of rubber of being a rubber band, yeah. you know, and, and uh -huh. you have to be you have to be flexible during this time. The rigidity and um, there's a book called emotional agility. That's really good. I can't remember who it's by right now, Okay. but, um, we have to have that emotional agility and flexibility, um, at this time and all times, because that's, you know, the only thing we're, we're, we're guaranteed is change. Mm -hmm. And really it started with Carol Dweck's work. Um, yes. that's who I really, I just changed my life where she, talks about the power of yet and how when kids get F's on their papers, they're, they're defeated. They feel helpless. But what if we, instead of putting an F, they still didn't get it. What if we put not yet? Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't get it yet. Like that gives us hope. And we as adults have to be hope dealers. We have to be. Um, and through, you know, trying to deal out that hope, <laughs> we have to teach the kids. And there are studies showing that even just a 45 minute session on growth mindset can change um, can help change a kid's belief. There was one study in Chile with like hundreds of thousands of 10th graders. Um, and, uh, and I can't remember, maybe it was 68,000. It was a number that I was like, well, I can't get that, you know, amount of participants in one of my small groups. In the yeah. So I just rely on the research of Dweck and some of her um, doctoral students talking about teaching kids about their brain, mm -hmm. teaching about the stress response, um, that is fight, flight, or freeze, and also teaching about neuroplasticity, mm -hmm. which is the fact that you can learn any skill better. Like, I'm not going to be an opera singer. I'm not going to be a NASCAR driver, even if I practice singing and driving, yeah. but I will get better at that song, or I will get better at my driving skills. And kids, if they believe they can do something, they're actually going to try harder and get the outcome. And then they're going to believe it even more because they got the good outcome. Mm -hmm. so, 
at, at my school and in my lectures, it's all about the power of yet and understanding that you can train your brain as, as young as five. We start, you know, what can you do? You got to train your brain okay. and just making, you know, I wrote a curriculum that's K through seven and across the country, it was like Carol Dweck's work needed to be in schools. And now it's, it's not just my curriculum. It's whatever growth mindset curriculum and lesson can, you know, we can encourage is just mm-hmm. on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes resiliency, knowing that if you don't, you know, and, and I talk about it, if you have tantrums, you just haven't figured out how to be, how to like calm down yet, uh-huh. okay. yet at the end of anything, you know, that's the power in it. And um, there's also a TED talk by Lucy Hone on resiliency. And she talks about the three components of resiliency being Number one, understanding that you can put the poop emoji there happens Mm -hmm. to everyone. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Life happens to everyone. Poop happens to everyone. Yep. The fact that you have to know that you're going to walk out of a cave and if there's a tiger there, you're going to pay attention to the tiger and go into stress response, but you also have to pay attention to the rainbows. Mm. And that's, that's like a train your brain kind of thing. Cause we're okay. always attuned to the fear and the risk, but we have to look at the positive. And then the third thing is asking if your behavior is helping things. And that's really important when you're in a trauma situation and you want to turn to numbing your brain, mm-hmm. whether it's through Netflix or substance abuse or, you know, eating, eating. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is what you are doing, helping the situation. situation. Mm-hmm. So that Lucy Hone was a, is, she's, you can also drop that into the chat because that was amazing. She's a resiliency expert who ended up having to use her own skills in a natural disaster in her area. And she was thinking, Oh man, now I know why my life's work was resiliency. So I could help our community. I think it was a I don't know if it was an earthquake or tornado. And then a year later, she lost her daughter. Oh, wow. And she was like, my life work was not to help that community. It was to help myself survive. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, the Ted talk is a few years later, but she's just like, this is how I survived knowing that, you know, trauma does not discriminate it. You know, everybody goes through stuff and nothing's worse than another person's worse. It's worse to us. But we have to use those skills of, you know, those three things, things happen to everyone, look for the rainbows, and is my behavior actually helping or hurting? Um, So I, you know, I get really passionate, as you can tell, I cannot stop talking about growth mindset, resiliency, how we can figure out when we're in the dip, because we all sit in uncomfortable, what we can do to get out of it. Out of it, yeah. I, I, love this, Lisa. And I'm so, um, I feel so energized by your, by your comments. Like for some reason, I just always associated the growth mindset with adults. I guess I've seen a lot of business coaches like talk about the growth mindset for entrepreneurs and and things like that. And I never really um, transferred it to children, but it makes perfect sense. Right. Cause that's where the, you know, it's about learning and the kids they're learning skills every day. And if they get frustrated, they're like, I can't do it. No, yes. you can't do it. And then they'll be like, yeah, yet <laughs> Sometimes they won't say it with such enthusiasm because they're still frustrated, but they yeah. have to know developmentally, they might not be ready for some of it, but they'll get it. Mm-hmm. We have to give them hope in, in that. Mm-hmm. So 
the power of the word yet. Love that. Thank you. We're going to have lots of good things to share with our listeners. <laughs> Yay. Uh, so Lisa, as our time um, today draws to a close, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wish I would have? No, I'm just, you know, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, this initiative of, of really getting out um, word to our community. I mean, we have such a resource rich community here in Cobb. Um, and I know everyone has Zoom fatigue and, and all sorts of fatigue, but there's, you know, we can't stop learning mm-hmm. as a grownups mm-hmm. on how to try and make things just a little bit better um, for our community and, and hope it's contagious that we can, you know, spark some uh, ideas and inspire some ways that we can help our youth, um, which will, you know, obviously help our community in the long run. Yeah. Absolutely. We're all about improving outcomes for children and families at the collaborative. So, and you mentioned we are a resource rich community. I find that there's resources on on one side and people in need on another. And sometimes those connections happen and other times they don't for all kinds of reasons. And so it's so important to meet people where they are. And sometimes, you know, we have to overcome our own Uh, maybe framework of, well, this is the way we communicate, or this is the way we deliver our programming. Yes. Realizing that the recipients need it faster, different, higher. Yeah. Well, call on me. I'm happy to collaborate. We have a county full of counselors who are all about um, being a point person for resources. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we reach the kids that sometimes their parents won't reach out and maybe, you know, there can be a connection there, but Absolutely. There's inherent biases. There's implicit. There's explicit. We yeah. got it all going on. Again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but we have the people to address it as well. And we have people that want to address it want like you. So I'm so yeah. happy. Thank you. I'm so glad we got connected. Me too. Me too. I've enjoyed our time together. Yeah. So um, thank you again, Lisa. Absolutely. And listeners, thank you for tuning in today. And to be sure that you don't miss any future episodes please subscribe to our Mind Your Mind Speaks podcast. Also, we ask that you leave us a review on Apple. Until next time, remember there is no health without mental health. Please mind your mind and keep an eye on the loved ones in your lives.